I need you to just stay with me here today as I preach what I feel the Lord has laid upon my heart. Amen. How many will just stay plugged into the preaching of the word of the Lord today? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. His name was Deoncius. Biblical historic, uh, historians and ancient writers tell us that he was born in Athens, Greece to a very wealthy family. He studied extensively in Greece and even abroad. And one of his particular interests of higher education took him to Egypt, to a city called Heliopolis, which is near today's uh, Cairo. And he went there in order to study astrology, the study of the stars, the study of the heavenlies. And so it was that on one particular day, historians write about this man by the name of Dionysius. On this one particular day, as his sight was set on the study of the sky, that the day turned dark. The sun disappears. Blackness covered the land. This event no doubt shook the world, but it especially confounded the astrologers whose intent it was to study the happenings and the accounts of the skies. When it should have been light out, There was an inky darkness that blanketed the region all around. And this particular occurrence so shook Deoncius that he made a note of it. He got a a writing utensil and some sort of something to write on and he, he made a note of the day that it happened at the exact time that it happened, that this peculiar phenomenon had taken place. It so shook Deoncius. It's so uh, phenomenon that was so peculiar. He had never seen it, never encountered it before and he wrote it down, the date and the time. And even more, not, not knowing what the cause was. He was studying astrology, teachers, people much even more advanced in this study of astrology had no idea what was taking place. And he was at such a loss that next to the time and the date that he had written down of when darkness came upon the earth for this period of time, he wrote down these words, and I quote, he said, everything is lost. Everything is lost. He was so moved by what he had experienced it didn't make any sense to him. The darkness was enveloping him. He, he thought it was all a loss and it was all over. Everything is a loss. Now I'm sure that Deoncius would often ponder that day and those few hours of darkness that he experienced and yet he never quite grasped the meaning of it all. What he experienced that day disconcerted him to his core. What he encountered that day was unexplainable, and yet it was undeniable. What he encountered that day, stay with me, was something that he would never forget. 
So eventually his studies become complete and he makes his way back to Athens, the place of his birth. And while he is there, this, his education uh, gives him opportunity to join ancient Greece's most prestigious court of law called the Areopagus. So that over time, this individual became known as Dionysius the Areopagus. Dionysius. Now, time goes on and his work in the court of law advances and yet, yet still, still written in his notes was the date and the time of when the earth had gone dark. For the mere memory of that powerful experience still moved him greatly and time went on, but his memory of that fateful moment never faded from his mind. And then one day a man came. A man came to his home city of Athens. And this man began to declare a new message, a new doctrine, and a new belief. We find out who this man was and what his doctrine and belief was in Acts chapter 17 and verse 16. The Bible says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, His spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city was wholly given to adultery. Therefore, this same Paul disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods. But watch what the book says. Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. So here we find Paul preaching unto these individuals in Athens the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached it to them. And through and to them and through the word of the Lord that is recorded of the preaching and of the ministry of Paul, he's preaching, how many know, to us even yet today about how this Jesus was more than just a man, but how that he was God manifest in fleshly form. Oh, hallelujah. And the reason why that God robed himself in flesh was because God loved humanity so much that he was going to go and die on a cruel cross of Calvary and shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven and so that our sins could be forever washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody grateful for the blood today? This Paul, this Paul in Athens would speak to all that would listen and to all that would listen now about this Jesus who died but rose again on the third day. 
and his resurrection proved to all doubters and his resurrection proved to all disbelievers that Jesus Christ was in fact the Messiah. He was in fact the Lord. He was in fact the Redeemer. He was in fact the King of all kings. He was in fact everything he said he was because if he would have stayed in the grave, he would have been a liar and nothing that he said would have been true. But when he came out on the third day, it validated every word he ever said. It validated everything he ever said about who he was and what he had come to do. It validated his work on earth. He preached to them Jesus and his resurrection. He preached, he preached, oh how he preached concerning the message of this Jesus to us today to repent of our sins, to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and then to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. He preached Christ crucified. He preached the burial of Christ being our example of water baptism in the name that is above all names for the remission of our sins. Oh, Paul was preaching now. He preached of Christ's resurrection from the grave as our example of being born again into the newness of life by being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul preached. Paul preached to them, to the Athenians, and Paul's preaching to us the word of the Lord, speaking into my heart and into your heart today, the same message that you and I still need to hear on this day. He preached about the nails that they pounded into the hands and feet of Jesus. He preached about the 39 stripes that they placed upon his back, which they didn't understand it, but we understand was for the healing of our body. He preached about the crown of thorns that was slammed on the head of the Messiah. He preached about Jesus carrying that cross up Golgotha's hill. He preached about the mocking, the cursing, the spitting, the beating that Jesus encountered for you and I. Paul preached it as best that he could. Paul preached with all the conviction and passion that resided within him about this one that he loved and this one that he served this one by the name of Jesus with sweat dripping off his his brow he kept on preaching with his voice weakening from the strain he kept on preaching some walked away some grew closer and yet Paul kept on preaching and somewhere 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 in the crowd I picture it towards the back in order to protect his reputation was Deoncius the Areopagus Listening, listening to the preaching of Paul. And it's just possible that Paul's words were not moving Deoncius all that much. For there were so many that had come through Athens bringing with them their far off doctrines and their unverifiable claims. And the lawyer within him wanted proof. The intellectual within him wanted something that he could verify the rational, logical, cerebral, scholarly side of him needed something that he could validate for himself about this new truth that Paul was preaching. 
And so it was, Paul continues to preach. And he continues to expound in detail about the day Christ died. Now these aren't Paul's words, but this is the account that he was doing his best to describe. Matthew chapter 27, verse 35. This is the account of the day of Christ's death. This is what Paul was speaking of and talking about to these people. Matthew 27, 35, and they crucified him and they parted his garments, casting lots. Speaking of Jesus, they crucified Jesus and they parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. The prophet, the prophet he's speaking of here is that was what was spoken about all the way back in the book of Psalms. All the way in the book of Psalms, it was prophesied that they were going to part his garments and upon his vesture, they were going to cast lots, which lets me know and should let us all know that Christ's crucifixion was not something that man did and it was not something that the adversary of our soul worked up, but it was something that had been prophesied about for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, which lets me know this. Christ's crucifixion has always been in the mind of God and his plan of redemption and his plan of salvation was forever. Ah. In fact, the Bible would say it like this in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. That lets us know that before time even was, the Lord already knew he was going to robe himself in flesh and that he was going to die on a cross and he was going to come out victorious on the third day so that you could be saved, so that I could be saved so that our sins could be dealt with so that we could be forgiven so that we could be made new old things pass away all things become new I'm thankful I'm thankful for what Christ did so so Paul, Paul Paul continues to describe that day that day of crucifixion, that day of gore, that day of blood, that day of pain. And again, these aren't Paul's words, but this is the exact happening that Paul is declaring to all of these people. And Dionysus, the Areopagus, is listening. Somewhat distractingly, somewhat haphazardly, but he's listening. Matthew 27, 36, and sitting down, they watched him there, these guys that were gambling for his cloak and his clothes, eventually just sit down and watch him die. Verse 37, and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left hand. And they passed by and they reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it uh, in three days, save yourself if thou be the Son of God. You're the one that said you could destroy the temple and it would be raised again on the third day. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and save yourself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from that 
cross. Verse 41, likewise also, the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders said, he saved others himself he cannot save. If he really is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. And so Paul's talking now, and he's still trying to express these words in his own way, in his own form. He's, he's, he's declaring to the people this particular day, and he was doing his best to relate the fact that the Messiah and the Savior of our soul was uh, uh, falsely accused, and he was illegally condemned, and he was mocked, and he was maligned, and he was ridiculed. For they maligned him over the fact that if he was supposed to have all of this power, if you're supposed to have all this power, if you're supposed to be such a big deal, then why don't you save yourself and come down from the cross? And what they did not understand is that he did have the power to save himself. But by staying on the cross, he did what was necessary to save you and I. Ah. Ah. I know it was terribly painful for him, but I'm so thankful he stayed on the cross. I know it was excruciatingly brutal to endure, but I'm so glad he stayed on the cross. I know he could have spoken one word and every soldier would have been wiped off the face of the earth and he could have come down from that cross. But I'm so thankful that he stayed. I'm so thankful he stayed on the cross. So thankful. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away our sin, he came, the sinless Son of God, to cleanse our hearts within. He hung upon the blood-stained cross thinking of you and me, dying like some hardened criminal, his body in agony. His blood flowed down from the cross. His body tormented with pain. He cried out to his heavenly father, but it seemed no answer came. People stood and jeered at him, mocking to the end who Jesus was and why he came. Some did not comprehend. Their hearts were indifferent to the Lord. Their conscience grew ever cold. His mother watched on, unable to bear it as the sword pierced through her soul. And as you try to grasp this picture, the pain that Christ went through, remember that on that day you were on his mind. He endured it all for you. I'm glad he didn't come down. I'm glad he didn't come down. I'm glad I'm sorry he did what he did. I'm sorry that he had to experience the pain that he experienced, but I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful because he did it for you and he did it for me. Come on, do we have any thankful people in the house of the Lord today? I'm thankful he stayed on the cross. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. He allowed those soldiers to nail him on that tree. I'm thankful he allowed his blood to be shed on that glorious day. I'm thankful.
He had me in mind. He had my sins in mind. He had my issues in mind. He had your sins and your issues and your problems in mind. He did it for you. He did it for me. I'm thankful. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. There's no redemption outside of the cross. There's no regeneration outside of the cross. There's no restoration outside of the cross. There's no reconciliation outside of the cross. I'm thankful for the cross. So Paul's preaching this. He's preaching. He's preaching about all of this and he's burdened, he's burdened. He sees the lost in front of him. He sees the hurting in front of him. He sees the broken in front of him, and he's preaching. He's burdened for the unsaved. He's burdened for those that do not know Christ like they need to know him. And Dionysus, the Areopagus, continues to listen. And he still wants proof. He wants proof that Jesus really did. This Jesus that Paul was talking about really was God. That he really is the Savior. So Paul continues to preach. He continues to do his best to describe this day of death. This day of Christ's crucifixion. And this is what he describes next. Hear me very carefully now because this This is the effect of Christ's death that you you cannot leave out. If you're trying to describe what happened that day to the best of your ability like Paul was trying to do, you cannot leave this detail out. And again, these aren't Paul's words, but this is exactly what he was trying to describe because he's talking about Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And you cannot leave these words unsaid when talking about that day. Matthew 27 and verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. Verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost and died. When Christ died, Paul relates, darkness came over all the for three entire hours. This darkness was not some natural eclipse of the sun that could be calculated by the astrologers. For this darkness could only happen because the Messiah was crucified. Come on, Jesus. The creator of the world had just hung his head and died and creation refused to shine. And now... Dionysius, the Areopagus, is no longer haphazardly listening. For now Paul has his undivided attention. 
For with shaking hand, Dionysius reaches into his bag and he pulls out the paper that he had recorded that moment years ago that he could not explain, but he could not deny. When darkness covered the earth. By now, he already had that date and time memorized, but he was so shaking right now. He was so, his equilibrium mentally was so messed up that he had to confirm it yet again before he raised his hand to ask the question. And so he reaches his trembling hand into his bag and he pulls out that well-worn piece of paper and he is reminded again of the date and the time that darkness covered the earth. And now, from the back, I see it. Beyonceus slowly raises his hand and he knows the answer to this question that I'm about to ask has the power to change my life forever. Paul, sorry, sorry, sorry. Paul, I've been here listening to you talk. I've been here listening to you talk about this Jesus and about this Messiah. I've been here listening to you talk about he died for my sins and on and on and on and on and on. I've heard you talk about the message and I don't mean to interrupt you right now, Paul. I'm sorry, everybody that was trying to listen to the message. I don't mean to interrupt the preacher in the middle of his preaching, but I got a question for you, Paul. When was it that you said the Messiah this Jesus died. What date was it, Paul? Do you remember when it was, Paul? I gotta know. I gotta know. <laughs> this Jesus, this Savior of the world, you're telling us about. When was it that he was crucified, Paul? You gotta tell me. And when Paul answered his question, and spoke to him the date and the time that Christ died. Dionysius is silenced. He's too stunned to speak. For the exact day of Christ's death was the exact day that he had written down. And now he realizes that even when he didn't know it, the effects of Christ's work was being made manifest in his life. Come on. This encounter, this glorious encounter that he had in his yesterdays that he could not explain, it all made sense now. Now that he was introduced to the reality of a risen Savior, it began to all make sense. Come on now. This encounter, this encounter that he had in his yesterdays that he couldn't explain, it made sense. He could not articulate why he had experienced what he had experienced. But once he was introduced to the reality of a resurrected Lord, it all began to make sense to him. 
Why, why, why? Because the work of the Lord was being, hear me now, the work of the Lord, and I might only be preaching to a few today, but you need to hear me. The work of the Lord was being made manifest in his life even when he didn't know it, even when he didn't realize it. And as I come to a close, I want to speak to that person who's had some experiences in your past that were unexplainable but undeniable. What are you talking about, preacher? I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. You have a car crash that should have killed you somewhere in your yesterdays. You have an overdose that should have ended it all somewhere in your past. You had an encounter with an overwhelming sense of love like you had never experienced before or since and you didn't know what it was and you couldn't make any sense of it but you know you experienced it nonetheless. You haven't told a lot of people about it because you don't even know what to say. You don't even know how to explain it. You don't even know how to articulate it. You don't even know how to make it all make sense. But you know there was something that happened in your life. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in your past, something happened to you that you could not make sense of. But you cannot deny the fact that it was real. What made me turn right when I should have turned left? What caused me to pause when I should have gone on? What opened that door for me when I didn't deserve it? Why am I connected to this individual when by all accounts I never should have been connected to them before? Why? 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 Why did I meet them? Why did I go there? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why? 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 And like Paul, I've come to preach to you that those questions all will become clear when you understand the fact that that was the effect of Christ's work in your life. Even when you didn't realize it, even when you didn't know about it, even when you Even when you didn't know it, the hand of the Lord was sparing you. The hand of the Lord was helping you. The hand of the Lord was leading you. The hand of the Lord was guiding you. And you didn't even know it. You didn't know it. You didn't know it. You didn't know it. But the love of God, the love of God was upon you. Even when you didn't realize it, the work of Calvary was being impressed upon you. Even when you didn't realize it, his redemptive work was reaching for you, drawing you to him. And you didn't have a clue. Things happened, things happened that couldn't make sense. Things happened wondering why this, 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 this. If it was up to you, you would have did this, but you went this way. What was it? It was the work. It was the work of the Lord. It was the work of the cross. His merciful work was already working in your life. The only reason you're here today, the only reason I'm here today is because of the work of a resurrected Savior. No man cometh to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. The only reason you're here today, the only reason I'm here today is because the work of the cross drew us and it drew us and it drew us and we didn't know in the drawing process what it even looked like and we didn't know.
but he loved you enough to keep drawing you and he loved you enough to keep dealing with you even when you didn't know it was him that was working in your life. I see the effects of it, but I don't know from whence it comes. Whether you call yourself a Christian, I'm almost done. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, doesn't matter. God has been working on your life. God has been impressing his work of Calvary. That's why you are here. Well, you don't know I wasn't raised in this stuff. I don't know anything about it. I'm here because somebody invited me. No. You're not here because somebody invited you. You're here because God has been divinely orchestrating your steps to be here even when you didn't know it. The work of the cross, the work of his blood, the work of his love and his grace and his mercy loves you too much to leave you where you are. And he's been working on you, dealing with you, pleading with you, ordaining things, changing things, even when you didn't know it. And so I close my message today where Paul closed his in Athens. For Paul's preaching everything he's got, he's preaching. He's talking about the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we read this, Acts chapter 17 and verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, when they heard about Christ resurrecting, when they heard about this one who was the Messiah that was dead and buried but came alive on the third day. You know what the Bible says? Some mocked. And others said, "Eh, we're not going to mock it. We might hear you again about this on a later date. So Paul departed from among them. Some mocked the message that Paul was preaching about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection from the grave. Ah, it's a bunch of silliness. Ah, that's just silly talk. Others didn't mock, but they didn't have much use for the message either. And that might be what we deal with more today to a certain degree. There might be some in the house that are saying, you know what, that's fine, that's fine. I believe in God, I believe in all the Bible, I read it's good, whatever. But you know what, it really doesn't have too much to play in my life. I don't mind talking about it from time to time, but it doesn't have to be the the premier thing that governs who I am. I can just kind of live my own life, do my own thing, do what I want to do. And whenever I want to talk about God, I'll talk about God, but he's not going to rule and reign in my life. We'll talk about it some other time. I'm not against it. So Paul stops preaching and he leaves town. But the final verse says this, Acts 17, 34. 
How be it? Some mocked. Some didn't really care. But some certain men clave unto him and believed. Among the which... was Dionysius, the Arapagite. He didn't mock it. He didn't mock it. He believed it. God, your hand has been upon my life. I didn't even know it. How could I mock that? When this thing that I encountered that was so undeniable in my life, I realize and I have revelation of the fact now that that was you. When I didn't even know you, you were working. When I didn't even know about you, when I didn't even know your name, you were drawing me. I felt the effects of the cross. In my life, how could I ever mock such a God? And how could I ever say, I'll deal with you at a more convenient season? You didn't do that for me. The cross wasn't convenient for you. The nails in your hands and your feet weren't convenient for you. And yet you did that which was inconvenient and I experienced the effects of that. How could I ever say now that I'll get around to you at some point, God? when my life gets straightened out and when things get a little easier and when this happens and this changes and I get this and I get my degree or get my house, get my job, get to this place financially after I accomplish this, this, and the other, once all that does, then maybe I'll talk about this at some other point. Why? How, Dionysus says, how could I ever feel that way? How could I ever do that when it wasn't comfortable for you? And yet you loved me enough. Come on, Jesus. Ah, you loved me enough to allow me to experience the effects of the cross. Even when I didn't know it, he believed. He believed. He believed. And historians tell us that he believed so much. The Bible says that, that he, he clave unto Paul. I want this. I want this God that you're talking of. I want to know this Messiah you speak of. You want to speak to me about repentance? I'll repent. The Lord wants me to be baptized in his name? I'll be baptized in his name. The Lord has instructed me to be filled with this spirit. I want it. I want it. I want it all. I want it all. I want he claimed to it. He grabbed a hold of it with both hands. I want everything God wants for my life. I want everything God wants for my living. Why? Because I didn't even know it, but his love was affecting me years ago. Uh, stand, stand, stand. Uh, 
I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. I want it, I want it. I want it. Historians also write about this Deontius that he clave so strongly to the doctrine that eventually Paul made him the bishop over the church in Athens. From someone far away from God, from someone studying all kinds of other things, from someone whose pursuits were everything but God, to an individual who's full everything was about him. I'm going to ask you now to lift your hands. God's dealing with people right now. God's dealing with hearts and minds right now. Somebody needs to get revelation of the fact Let me have your attention. I feel so strong to say this. People in this room right now, you are connected to people who are a part of this church. Or you are connected to people who are connected to people in the church. Do you really, hear me, do you really think that's by accident? Do you really think that your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your aunt or your uncle, the fact that they're connected to this church or a part of this church and then you got connected to that family, do you really think that's accidental? No. It's not accidental at all. You want to know what it is? It's the effects of the cross. Pulling. You could have had any boyfriend. You could have had any girlfriend. You could have had any mother-in-law, father-in-law, uncle. You could have had any of them. Why, why? Do you have the one you have? Why do you have the friend that you had? Why is the friend that you are here with today, why are they your friend? Well, we work together. No. They're my neighbor. No. You could have had any neighbor. You could have picked any house to move into. You could have got hired on at any job. Why, why? It's the work of the cross. He's positioned you. He's drawing you. He's dealing with you. Come on. It's not accidental. You don't understand it. You don't get it. Deontius didn't understand it until he did. Until a preacher talked to him about a resurrected Savior and revelation flooded into his mind of the fact that you have not been living your life on your own all of this time, but there has been a Savior that has been methodically leading you and guiding you and directing you. And what will you do with that revelation now? Will you mock it? 
Will you say, I was glad I was at Easter. I like talking about Jesus. I'll come back next Easter. Or will you say, I want this. I'm going to cleave to this. If he wants me to repent, I'm going to repent. I'm going to hold on so tightly to this one who loved me enough to die for me. This one who loved me enough to shed his blood for me. This one who loved me enough to bring everything to being that would cause my sins to be washed. It's not accidental. Oh, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift 